This podcast is sponsored by Mississippi Land Bank. Find them online at mslandbank.com. If you have a land need, buying or selling, or just looking, hit them up at Mississippi Land Bank, where they understand the lay of the land. And introducing you, Dogpile listeners, to a new supporter of the podcast, Jubilations Cheesecake in West Point. Going to tell you more about Jubilations, all the cheesecake, all the offerings in the coffee shop, where you can find them. They're great Bulldog supporters. I'll tell you more about them in a bit. Let's get into it. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Recorded Omaha. Here comes the Bulldog baseball team. And there's a ball in the air, deep in the outfield. Got a chance. Got a chance. Gone. Three-run homer. Back to me. Back to me. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of Dogpile. I am Brett Hudson with Matt Wyatt. The usual lineup for, for this episode of, of Dogpile. I'm so sorry for the bad baseball pun. I, can't <laughs> I did that. I am so right. ashamed of myself. If, if y'all need to just like bash me on Twitter for that, I understand. Just just let me know that, that this is why you're doing it, and, and I get it. And I will actually read my mentions <laughs> since, uh, since we talked about that on the last episode of Praise the Lord and talk dogs. You're go against got your some, own advice. I know. Yeah, hopefully we've got some crossover <laughs> listenership there. Anyway, Matt, how are you? Man, I'm great. I'm great. Um, ready to talk some baseball. It's been kind of fun to follow the team here. Uh, if you're tuning here to the podcast, uh, Brett's got some really cool stuff lined up for you, looking at players, and then also definitely going to take a look ahead at some of the opponents State is up against this weekend in Frisco. So I'm excited. They're playing well. You know, you've had some good crowds. I, I do, Brett, real quick before we just just really briefly before we jump into baseball, I want to mention something else about our new sponsor, Jubilations Cheesecake, which, Brett, uh, I don't know. I mean, we should probably say that the day that you coming on board here with me on the media team, uh, whenever that happened, it actually sort of kind of led up to and happened at Jubilations Cheesecake in West Point. <laughs> True. True. Yeah. yeah. We uh we we had to find a a somewhat meeting somewhat halfway meeting point between uh between Tupelo and, and Starkville and, and Jubilations Cheesecake was the uh was was as good as we could do. Now I didn't <laughs> I didn't actually have the cheesecake that day. I only had the mm-hmm. uh I think I had a, some sort of coffee drink like a mocha or something. And it, and it was fantastic, don't get me wrong, but it's I mean, we're recording this at 8:30 in the morning and I wish I could have some of their cheesecake. I don't know if that <laughs> says more about me or about them, but that's yeah. the that's the reality. And you've you've got a way that people can get some of that cheesecake in their that's hands. That's it. That's right. So, uh, a couple things and then we'll get to baseball if you're listening. Number 1, the folks at Jubilation's Cheesecake George Purnell and Lou Ann and the great people there, they are Bulldog supporters, and uh, you need to do business with them. And it's right on the way for many people as you go to games, you know, in Starkville. If you're in the northern part of the state, you're probably going to travel through West Point at some point. So if it's on your way, just know that it's right there in West Point, right on Highway 45. They have a coffee shop out front. And the coffee house is, like Brett said, you can get coffee. All their coffee comes from High Point Roasters in New Albany, Dan the Coffee Man. It's all roasted right there. So it's 
the freshest you can get. It's not been sitting in a bag forever. They roasted it in New Albany. They sent it down to Jubilations in West Point. And Dan and the folks up there, great Bulldog supporters too. Uh, in there, yeah, you can buy and eat cheesecake while you're in the coffee shop. They have all kinds of other stuff too, goodies, cookies, stuff that they make, other kind of cakes. They have Tyson Lee's lovely rolls uh, in there in the coffee house and so all that stuff. And you can actually watch them make the cheesecake in the plant. they got a great big huge window. You can watch them make the, the cheesecake. They put them in the big ovens. They pour them at different times. They top them. You can get to see that process. So it's really neat, and you can find them in stores. They're throughout North Mississippi Kroger's and other stores in the Golden Triangle. And I'm going to tell you later about the fundraiser opportunities they give you. It's really cool. So I just want to introduce you a little more time than you normally get with a sponsor, but they're brand new here to the podcast. And if you're a state fan, I just want you to know kind of who they are and what they do because they're really great folks. I've had a chance to meet and talk to them and get to know them a little bit. And I'll tell you how to get in touch. Just need to know jubilations.com. We'll take you there and you can find out. But good Bulldogs, and they're happy to be a part of the podcast. All right. So, Brett, here we are recording uh, on a Thursday after they walloped two midweek opponents, Jackson State, and then the Southeastern Louisiana bunch that historically has been very hard to deal with for Mississippi State. So, pretty yeah. good so far. Yeah, they're 9-1. Uh, they're and one. Uh, sorry, eight and one, nine games, eight and one uh, as they go to Frisco, Texas to play in Dr. Pepper ballpark. Um, I, it, it's funny. I, I ran into uh, I ran into uh, Justin Foscue's mother. I, I hope I'm getting her right. Her name right. Maggie Foscue. I'm pretty sure if if so, shouts to Maggie. Uh, apparently, Justin Foscue is a Dr. Pepper fiend. So it's uh it's it's pretty funny that that he's getting to play in in that ballpark this weekend. But anyway, they'll be in Dr Pepper Ballpark in Frisco, Texas. It's in the the Dallas uh, general area. It's the home of the Frisco Rough Riders, which are the Double A affiliate of the Rangers. Uh, so that's where they'll be this weekend. They have a three game set there. They'll play Sam Houston State on Friday. Texas Tech on Saturday and Nebraska on Sunday. All three of those games are on Flow Live TV. Uh, you got to pay for it. Uh, so if you're not willing to pay for it, you'll most likely be listening to to Jim Ellis call those those three games: Friday at three, Saturday at six, Sunday at eleven. Sam Houston State, Texas Tech, Nebraska, respectively. And we'll get to those games later on in the podcast. But because we've got nine games of a sample size, eight of them wins for the home team. I, I wanted to go into some players who've gotten off to impressive starts and, and kind of analyze them, what they've done and, and kind of spin it forward for them. And, and you've obviously seen a lot of this team um, having done so many of the SEC network plus calls. So, so we've both got some, uh, some insight to offer. And I know people will be interested to analyze these, these hot starts. And if you're talking hot starts, no one fits that category better than Justin Foscue, the the man of the hour. He's hitting 306. He's slugging 667 thanks to one double and four homers, 10 RBI after his grand slam against Southeastern Louisiana. He hit three homers all of last year, so he surpassed that total already. Last year, it took him until April 7th to amass the five extra base hits that he has right now. So he's done in nine games what it took him 26 games to do last year you know coach Lamone has said in the preseason what will decide how good this team is is if the sophomores make the improvement that one would expect 
from freshmen to make to their sophomore season. The early returns on on Foskey suggest that that they'll get exactly that out of him. What have you seen out of Justin Foskey? You know, the first thing, and I mentioned it, I think in the first game that I called, um, Charlie did the season opener with Bart, and then I jumped in there on Saturday, but I watched that season opener. The first thing I noticed is his size. Um, and he was never, yes. uh, you know, he was never a small guy ever. Um, he was thick, big, strong kid last year, but this year he just has that look of someone who dedicated himself to the weight room. And we're not talking about like big bulging biceps and cut up. That's not what I mean. What I'm talking about is a guy with that skinny waist, but man, his rear end and his legs are twice the size they were last year. And for any athlete, that's where it is. Um, that's where you improve. I mean, the upper body strength and all that kind of stuff is more get along and, and maintenance to, to should be to keep up with your lower body. Cause that's where the strength has to be built. And you can just tell, I mean, look at his lower body. He looks like a different guy this year, stronger and heavier and a little more powerful. And that's just that, that strong base for him, I think is what has led and being older, and, and combined with some of the pitching you've seen so far, it's not like what you're going to see on Fridays and Saturdays in the SEC. But that's what's allowed him to step out there and just tattoo the baseball. He just looks like a stronger kid now. I, I completely agree. And and if you if you want to read into the uh, the the roster official listings, he was listed at 197 pounds last year. This year he's listed it at 201. So that that sounds to me like the kind of situation where you lose five pounds of fat, but replace mm. it with 10 pounds of muscle, or I guess in this case, nine pounds of, of muscle. I, I, yeah. I think that's what, uh, that's what happened. And that's, that's all just speculation. I haven't had that conversation with, with coaches or with Justin himself, but it, it certainly looks that way. And in, in his uniform and, and the power numbers are, are showing pretty quickly. Um, so he's, he's someone to, to keep an eye on, especially because it, it goes back to, uh, something I wrote after uh, the Southern Miss series, I did something that's going to turn into a weekly thing, thanks to the the fan base's reaction to it. I did three things we know and two things we don't, mm-hmm. uh, and and one of them kind of mentioned Justin Foscue as the kind of guy who will give you at least a option to be in the top four of the lineup with the way he's hitting right now. You could easily put him at, at cleanup. He's been batting fifth uh, behind McNamee and Tanner Allen in that top four, but the, the way that he's, he's just putting the screws on the baseball right now, sending it out of the park, uh, every opportunity he gets, he, he is that guy that gives you another option in that top four. You should pretty much always have a pretty good bit of production out of your, out of your top four with, with guys like Justin Foscue hitting the way they are. Uh, if you don't have anything else on him, I, I want to transition to another guy, another sophomore who's, who's likely, producing those returns, Tanner Allen. And I've actually got a a soundbite from him we'll get to momentarily. I wanted to play a bit of sound from him after his walk-off double in the Southern Miss series in the rubber match of that game. He walked it off. Jordan Westberg scored the winning run. State won the game and won the series. Not only does his recent performance, he's hitting 324, 19 RBI in nine games, slugging 647 and drawing five walks. All of that suggests that he might have the sophomore bump in him, but insight like this suggests it too. Check this out. Where do you think your game has grown from Omaha to now? Uh, I feel like 
last year I was a freshman in big moments. I would I would get so sped up, and it's funny I was on deck and Wesley got on base, and I didn't have like my heart didn't jump out my chest. I was just breathing and just relaxing because I got a chance to make a difference in our game, our outcome, but we wouldn't lose. And I was just focused on ex- executing and you know passing the bat bat back to a big hit Mac. You know I figure if we get the bat to him, he'll do something. You know, but I was able to get the head out and get a hit and uh, score a winning run. So that that's kind of an interesting window into his mental game and how he's developed in in that regard, how he can step into the batter's box in the rubber match of a super important series at home against Southern Miss with the walk-off run on first base and just be completely calm. And his heart, as, as he said it, you just heard it, his heart rate didn't increase his heart isn't bursting out of his chest he just he is just calm as can be and and that's that's big for for a guy like him because he's going to be in the heart of the lineup all year long and he's going to be thrust into some pretty important ABs and he was already pretty good in that situation last year so if he's a better hitter and a better mental hitter this time around as a as a sophomore i mean truly the sky is the limit for for a guy that for my money already has the sweetest swing on this roster yeah you know i i keep going back i think i saw it on twitter and it was to tease an article somebody had written with coach lamonas uh, it's one of the national guys it might have been cahill um teddy cahill but anyway the quote was yeah with tanner allen you know, we, we work with him on his defense and base running, but when it comes to hitting, we just make sure he knows what times the game starts. You know, in other <laughs> words, and don't fool with him, don't mess with him. He came out of the womb with the ability to hit the baseball. And it's almost like for him, he's almost like he has a an even more confident look to him when there's runners on base and when he has two strikes. Now, I know it was a first pitch hit he had against Southern Miss, but – he does such a good job with two strikes, or has so far this year. Yeah, I agree, and that's another uh, example of his development mentally. Uh, he's he's just that guy that is going to continually produce uh, for for this lineup. He's he's a guy that you just have to have in the lineup every day. And I know there's a lot of talk about uh, what second base is going to be going going forward. I, I mentioned that in in the written piece that I mentioned uh, earlier. You wonder if Tanner Allen is a better fit there defensively, but at the same time, you got to have his bat in the lineup somewhere. And first base is the place where you need a bat right now. So he he is that guy that you cannot take out of the lineup. You put him where you have to put him defensively to guarantee that that his bat is in the lineup. Uh, while we're while we're talking about players off to a a strong start, uh, JT Gim was named the SEC Co Freshman of the Week mm. after his strong start against Southern Miss. Put it put it this way, he had a good start against Youngstown State too. Put it this way, his batting average allowed starts with a zero. It's zero nine eight. Sixteen strikeouts to two walks. I, I believe we talked about him on the last episode of of Dogpile, but you you got to watch his uh mm-hmm. his start against Southern Miss. He was just incredible in in that start too what do you think of him well it's just you know i guess it was validation of what you saw the first weekend right because right. southern miss is a better lineup than youngstown state you know i'm i'm assuming you know i don't, I don't want to speak out of turn i'm just i feel like i'm fairly safe in assuming that youngstown state doesn't have any high draft picks you know relatively yeah high yeah draft that's, picks. that's fair well 
Southern Miss does. Mm-hmm. Now, everybody handled Matt Walner uh, this weekend on the mound for State, <laughs> and it was one of those where, you know, maybe he wasn't seeing it the best. I'm sure there is a possibility that he was maybe a little distracted, uh, you know, this weekend, but maybe not. I don't know. I just know that um, he is going to get his this year at the plate, barring something unforeseen, and he's going to be drafted highly. He is a big-time prospect. You know, and Slater, right there in the three-hole for Southern Miss, is also a big-time prospect, um, and he's hitting the baseball for them. And you look at what um, JT Ginn um, – you know, was able to do in that uh, Saturday start for Mississippi State, the way he was able to limit that 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 guts of their lineup, and they switched it around a little bit. Um, they did have Slater, I guess, in the in the four spot, and had Walner batting fifth. But those two guys go zero for seven against a freshman. Okay, there's That's ridiculous. It's there's not many pitchers, there's not many games and teams they're going to face this year period, at Southern Miss, all year in the regular season or in the postseason, where Slater and Walner are going to combine and go 0 for 7. Not to mention, they're both left-handed hitters, and Gen is a right-handed pitcher. So it's validation for me of what you saw from him against Youngstown State. Kind of That, that went the way it should have even on a, even on a bad day for an SEC start, you know, Saturday starter. Mm-hmm. This was a good lineup. He goes out there. They got a bunch of lefties in their lineup. He's a right-handed pitcher. And he goes seven innings and strikes out nine, walks nobody, and only allowed two hits. So his the ball moves all over the place. The control is there. He's just got this, you know, pun, bulldog mentality. And even at one point later, when the, apparently there was some chirping going on back and forth, he gets a strikeout to end an inning and just bowed up and screamed and yelled at the guy as he left the batter's box. I mean, and he's a freshman who's playing in high school this time last year. So you always want to have a guy that you have to pull the reins back a little bit as opposed to having to get him going. You don't have to get JT Ginn going. So to this point, I couldn't be more impressed. I, I agree. He's been he's been amazing. And that's the that's the one thing that that a few people uh pointed out in my uh three and two, which we're going to call full count, obviously. And my full count piece from, from last week was that I didn't mention the, the starting pitching. I did mention with the bullpen that they've got good pieces. They're off to a good start. But the one thing we don't know is how they'll perform against a uh, sec competition. And that's what I'm waiting on for, for JT again. That's why I didn't go out of my way to, to heat praise on him. But I do think that Southern miss start is definitely a step in the right direction to, to proving it and assuming he keeps the same schedule and starts against Texas Tech uh, on Saturday in, in Frisco. That would also be a big opportunity because Texas Tech can rip the cover off the baseball, yep. and, and we'll talk about them more later on in the show. But the way the way Ginn performed against Southern Miss, if he does that again against Texas Tech, I think it'll be impossible to ignore, even within the context of the small sample size, that that he's got the stuff to be excellent uh, in the SEC. One more pitcher that I wanted to to hit on while we're talking players here is Peyton Plumley. Uh, he's he's been incredible. He's had two starts. He started a midweeker against UAB and a midweeker against Southeastern Louisiana. In those two starts. Ten and two-thirds innings, two runs, eight hits, and two walks allow for a whip of 
0.937, 12 strikeouts. On the year, he's 14 strikeouts to three walks, ERA of 213, and he's already showing stamina. He did in that southeastern Louisiana game, 86 quality pitches against a pretty pesky lineup. That'll be a a lineup that's really hard. I want to say they're in the Southland Conference. That'll be a, a tough lineup in in that conference. And uh, I want to get your thoughts on him within this frame of, of reference. I had heard in the preseason that the coaching staff didn't want to use him in midweeks. He was, he was, um, he was in the conversation for the Sunday starting role that is currently belonging to Keegan James. I'd heard in the preseason that the coaches thought he was throwing well and wanted to use him in the weekend bullpen situation. But not only is he such a good starting pitcher as he has been in the last two outings, but also the midweek strength of schedule is really strong. Mm-hmm. UAB, Southeastern Louisiana, two starts he's already taken. They've got East Carolina coming next week and a couple of important ones after that to make no mention of the Governor's Cup game against Ole Miss and Pearl. I wonder if while these midweeks are of such importance for the next roughly three-ish weeks, I wonder if Peyton Plumley has no choice but to continue to be the current version of Peyton Plumley, which has been excellent, against those quality teams they're facing in the midweek, help Mississippi State win those games, get those important wins relative to hosting a regional uh, come come May, and then maybe transition into a, a weekend bullpen role, that weekend bullpen role that he was so good in back in 2017 mm-hmm. uh, when, when he was pitching before he was held out for the 2018 season. So within that that general frame of, of reference in that he's clearly got the stuff to be a good weekend bullpen pitcher, but some of these midweek games are so high leverage and he's clearly been so good in those starts. What do you think of of Peyton Plumley, not only in that start against Southeastern Louisiana that you helped Bart Gregory call, but also in that general context of how Mississippi State uses what is clearly one of their better bullpen arms right now. Well, this is, you know, he's been their third best pitcher. Okay. So behind Small and Ginn. Right. Behind Ethan Small and JT Ginn. And the, the, all the numbers that you would use uh, back that up. Now, you, you know the the thing about Keegan James, he hasn't thrown as many innings as Plumley as as well. When I say he's been their third best, really the only measurable in terms of ERA is where James and Plumley are different right now. You know, Keegan throwing on two Sundays has given up one earned run and seven hits in eight innings. Well, Plumley's thrown more innings; he's thrown twelve and two thirds. He's given up three earned runs on nine hits, so there's this, you know, about a point difference in their ERA in terms of, you know, if you want to go purely analytics, and I know a lot of baseball people, that's the way they think. So after a couple of outings each, but Plumlee's thrown more innings, Keegan James has a 1.12 ERA, Plumlee is at 2.31. But other than that, I guess that's what I'm saying. He's thrown more innings, all right? So the only... Player, the only pitchers who've thrown, uh, you know, twelve innings or more this year are Ethan Small, J.T. Ginn, and Peyton Plumley. Okay, so that's yep. one thing. And you know, strikeout to walk is good. So he's thrown more innings, but he has fewer walks than Keegan James. All right, so Plumley in those twelve and two thirds has fourteen strikeouts and three walks. 
Very quickly, if you do want a number to support your case, look at batting average allowed. Peyton Plumley is at 191. Keegan James is at 259. And that's a huge difference, too. And that's what we're looking at here is the fact that, you know, Keegan's been out there against Youngstown State. Well, UAB and SELA are better teams and better hitting teams than Youngstown State. And that's who Plumley is pitched against. So I think what I see is – not only is he off to a really good start, he is throwing strikes. That fastball is live and moving. He's he's throwing, you know, he's changing speeds really well, and he's using every bit of the strike zone really well. You saw him last night against Southeastern Louisiana um, just strike people out on the inside. He's going after How about that, that two scene? Yeah, running it into the right-hander and getting that call strike where they're, they're actually bailing out of there, but it's a strike and they're crowding the plate. So he's confidently pitching inside, and opponents batting 191, 14 strikeouts, only three walks. And that is the that's the key. So in eight innings, Keegan James leads the team in walks. That's the thing to me. And so I know why Keegan's out there on Sunday. He's got really good stuff. At fastball can run on up there, you know, 93, and, and it can be really sharp, but he's not quite He's not been quite as dialed in as a Peyton Plumley has, and it makes sense to everything you said, and then I'm going to get it back to you. Um, but, Brad, it makes sense. I think there's definitely strategy involved. They wanted Peyton Plumley on the mound against UAB. They wanted him on the mound against CELA. They want him on the mound against East Carolina. And if he's your third best and you get into SEC play, you can easily transition him to a Sunday. You can uh, at the right time. I agree. Uh, and, and like I said, to, to kind of wrap up that, that midweek conversation before I dive into the Southeastern Louisiana start, he had, you mentioned the East Carolina game. That is the Tuesday after the, the weekend in Frisco. And honestly, after that, the midweeks get a little easier. Uh, so the midweek games after that ECU game, Arkansas, Pine Bluff, Little Rock, that's a big one at Samford, uh, ULM, South Alabama, that's another big one. Texas Southern, Ole Miss, the Governor's Cup game, and then Memphis. So you can you can see where as the SEC play, as the SEC schedule begins, the midweek games don't become as high leverage relative to the general quality of, of competition. So that kind of adds to the point that we were making earlier of of Peyton being so good in these midweek games, but being good in any context that you wonder come mid-March, late March, you wonder if he transitions from being uh, a midweek starter to being a fantastic bullpen option to have to give you two two-plus innings out of the pen when you desperately need it. Or, uh, as you mentioned, uh, not knock on wood, no, no injury issue comes up or just straight-up performance if there becomes – an open spot in the weekend rotation when SEC play starts. I don't understand how anyone other than Peyton Plumley would earn that spot. Now, to to dive into the southeastern Louisiana game a little bit, you mentioned the fastball and the two seam. He went first pitch breaking ball several times yeah. in that in that start, and I think that speaks to the point you were making about how dialed in yep. Peyton Plumley is right now. He is just so confident in his secondary stuff. And there was one, there were men on base. I, I don't remember the exact inning, but there were men on base, two outs. He went, 
he went something first pitch. His second pitch was a changeup, something in the 78, 79 range. And then he came in with a wicked 91 mile an hour two seam inside to a right-handed hitter. And that sequence of pitches was just disgusting for someone to try to keep up with, with runners on base in a game that's still pretty closely contested at that point in time, that Southeastern Louisiana game, he had everything. He had the four seam fastball. He had the two seam fastball. He was really breaking off that, that curveball He has very confidently high in the zone, low in the zone inside, outside. And he would use the change up to set up his, his fastball. I think, I think you hit the nail on the head. Peyton Plumley is dialed in right now. I, and I didn't think of it this way, but I do think you're right in that he is their third best pitcher right now, regardless of, of role, just quality of stuff, quality of pitches. Peyton Plumley is probably Mississippi state's third best pitcher right now. And, and he's someone that I would monitor if I were uh, a Mississippi state fan, because I really think he's going to see high leverage innings throughout the the rest of the season if he continues to pitch this way. And he isn't one of those that you wonder what he's going to do against SEC competition because go back to 2017 where he was a pretty crucial part of that that bullpen that inexplicably made a run to a super regional. He was one of very few guys that was consistently getting the job done. So you know he can pitch against SEC competition. And the way he's pitching right now – I don't think there's there's any way to deny that he can do this for the rest of the year, uh, 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 Lord willing. Yeah. Some some quick hitters. I'll I'll mention several guys that, that I wanted to touch on, but I don't really have a huge basis of of thought on, it, and maybe you do. So I wanted to give them their due on the podcast, just so we can say we mentioned them, and then you can riff on them if you so please. Jake Mangum and Jordan Westberg are starting out well, uh, 382 and 342, their batting averages. Marshall Gilbert has gotten a few at-bats, and he's done well with them. He's hitting 500. He had a homer in the uh, Jackson State game on Tuesday. And it is hard to describe how much better Jared Lee Belt is performing from last year to this year. If he continues this up throughout the entire season, that just continues to add to the depth of, of the bullpen. I mentioned that in the full count piece from, from Monday and wanted to give him some due on the podcast too, because he was, he was just a non-factor last year. And, and this year he is, he is dealing right now. So uh, any, anything to offer on that group of guys? Yes. Um, a couple things. The top of the lineup is you knew they're fast, but I hope people understand just how fast they are and how much pressure they put on in you know the infielders on lazy, lazy ground balls. But when they're on base, you know Mangum, we we understand everybody knows the pressure um, that he puts on people. Westberg can absolutely fly. We'd heard about from Coach Lamonas what a great athlete, but I've seen it now. When he scored from first against Southern Miss, look, that's not close. Um, he was he was flying around a base pass, and then I see you know I've seen him stretch a single into a double and make it look easy. And so two weekends in a row, I've seen with my own eyes examples of just how fast Jordan Westberg is. And I haven't heard you know the when Coach Cohen was the head coach, he used to all the time just in interviews talk about you know their time to first and. And all this kind of stuff, we don't hear that as much. And I'd love to know what his times are, but he is—he really is an incredible athlete. And so uh, they put a lot of pressure on people. The other thing I would point out too—you mentioned Lee Belt. How about this? 
Uh, quick math here as I just glance at it. He is one of five pitchers um, who've appeared, but I'm going to cut it down to four. Who I'm going to say he is one of four pitchers who've thrown significant innings so far for this team. Jared Lebel. Well, well, let me let me back up. He's one of four pitchers who've thrown significant innings who haven't given up a run. Jared Liebelt, Cole Gordon, Sarantola in two outings, and Colby White. Okay, wow. so so those four pitchers right there. Let's look at those. White's thrown three innings. Sarantola's thrown four. All right, so we're up to seven now. Uh, Liebelt has thrown four and two thirds. So now we're up to eleven and two thirds, and then we add the five innings that Cole Gordon has pitched, that's 16 and two-thirds innings. 16 and two-thirds innings from those four pitchers that have not allowed a run. There's a there's a big reason why out of the bullpen, you've been able to get those guys. They've thrown 16, you know, over 16 combined innings without giving up a run. There's a big reason why you're beating people and you're sitting here at 7-1 or whatever it is, and you've had all these low – you know, your, your pitching stats are through the roof. Not only your starters, but that bullpen's not giving up anything. Yeah, it's a good point because let's see, Mississippi State has scored eight first inning runs, ten second inning runs, mm-hmm. twelve third inning runs, and eight fourth inning runs. All of that in in nine games. So let's see, that's twenty two, thirty, thirty eight mm-hmm. runs in the first four innings through nine games. That is an average of four point two runs. Uh, per game at the end of the fourth inning. Yeah. So then you've still got a couple innings from your fantastic starting pitching, which we mentioned earlier, and then you hand it over to that bullpen. I mean, the way the way the bullpen has been pitching right now, honestly, four runs is is enough. And, and of course, they've they've poured it on in, in late innings. They've got twelve seventh inning runs and eight and sixteen eighth inning runs right now. So yeah, the the bullpen deserves its its due and I'm glad you uh I'm glad you gave it its its credit there and Jared Leebelt is a big part of that. Bryce Brock, uh, the kid who was really good the other night against Jackson yeah. State until like the third time around. He's the only guy out of the bullpen all year long that's given up more than one run. He's the only one. And, and he gave up 3 runs and two of them were unearned. So so do with that what you will. And, and he's another important piece because something this bullpen has been missing for a good portion of the last couple of years is lefties. Yeah. Uh, Zach Neff was, was big in that regard last year. He was basically the team's only uh, dependable lefty uh, reliever there for, for a while. So the way Tristan Barlow is pitching right now, he's, he's performing a lot better. Three hits allowed him and three and a third inning. And then Bryce Brock, uh, three hits allowed in and two innings. Of course, two of those runs were unearned, as I mentioned earlier. There's there's two uh, noticeable lefty options for for Mississippi State out of the bullpen again, and something that they haven't had in uh, in in recent years. Yeah. I, I think that hits all the players that that I wanted to to discuss after okay. after nine games. Of course, we've got we've got a lot more coming both on on this podcast and in the uh in the written form at mattwhitemedia.com. Any any players you wanted to hit on that I didn't go out of my way to touch the, on? The only thing to me that I just want to touch and make sure everybody realizes it is the ridiculous stat of the week. Uh we should give this award. We could call it the um, we could get it sponsored by somebody that makes bikinis because I've always said that stats are like bikinis, they'll show you a lot, but not everything. Okay, um, so it's the bikini ridiculous stat of the week. 
Ethan Small has thrown 12 innings. He struck out 24 and has walked nobody. <laughs> 24 strikeouts in 12 innings. That's two per inning and zero walks. Not a one. So uh, that's your bikini ridiculous stat of the week. All right, here's what we're going to do right now. We're going to pause from uh, for a word from our sponsors, Mississippi Land Bank, and you'll hear from Jubilation's Cheesecake, a word from them about um, some of the fundraising opportunities they offer. We'll hear a word from sponsors and then come back and preview the upcoming opponents. We do more than make a living off the land in North Mississippi. We live for the land too. We live for an early morning duck hunt, time spent in a deer stand, a day of fishing, and the outdoor life. For more than 100 years, Mississippi Land Bank has been a great hunting partner for recreational land lovers. By helping to finance the land they've set their sights on, we know what a hunter loves and the lay of the land in North Mississippi. And that's where I stand. Hey Bulldogs, Matt Wyatt here. I want to tell you about Jubilation's Cheesecake. If you have a fundraiser coming up, you need to consider cheesecakes from Jubilation's. It's a rare combination of quality and flavor. You're going to find selling Jubilation's Cheesecakes for your fundraiser to be profitable. And Jubilation's will customize and print your sales sheets. Quality, high profit for you, and ease. That's what they're about. Now check them out at jubilations.com. Or call Luann at 662-328-9210. That's 328-9210. Or stop by the coffee shop on Highway 45 in West Point and watch the cheesecakes being made through the window. It's really cool. Stop in and tell them we sent you. They're great Bulldogs and Hale State. All right, uh, glad glad we did that. We uh, we hit on a lot of players, gave a lot of players their their due, and I'm I'm glad we did that through through nine games. It's it's obviously not a great sample size, but considering this is only a fifty something game regular season, you don't necessarily get the entire sample size you want anyway. So I'm glad we did that. Now we got to turn all of our attention as the eight and one Bulldogs leave Duty Noble Field for the first time. This year, we mentioned it off the top of the show. They're going to Frisco, Texas, the double-A home for the Texas Rangers affiliate, the Frisco Rough Riders, fantastic minor league baseball mascot name. They've got three games uh, to repeat what we said off the top of the show. Uh, they are on Flow Live TV, so you can pay to, to watch the games, or you can just listen to Jim Ellis on the MSU radio network. Friday at 3 o'clock against Sam Houston State. Saturday at 6 o'clock against Texas Tech Sunday at 11 a.m. against Nebraska. A quick scouting report on those three teams. Sam Houston State, these dudes can mash. They scored 25 runs in a three-game set with Louisiana Lafayette. They won all three games. They led TCU 10-2 to in the bottom of the second inning of a game that got called by Fogg. Uh, catcher Gavin Johnson is hitting 409 and slugging 682. He has more extra base hits, four than strikeouts, three. 
Uh, utility man Colton Kowser is hitting 357 and also has more extra base hits than strikeouts four to one. Uh, Clayton Harp and Hunter Hearn are the high strikeout, high power guys, three homers each, but also five strikeouts each. I wish I could tell you who they're going to start on the mound. I, I just, I just don't know. They don't have the consistent rotation that, that Mississippi state has been blessed with the first two weekends of, of the year. So I wish I could tell you who to expect, but, but I can't do it in good faith. Uh, Texas tech the next day, Dylan noose is the name you need to know. He's the left fielder, two doubles, two triples, two homers in seven games. He's hitting four Oh seven slugging a ridiculous eight fifty two, and also has five walks for an on base percentage of five fifteen. Also the center fielder, Gabe Holt has already stolen six bases, a speed demon. You'll need to keep an eye on him. If he were to get on base, uh, for starting pitching, Saturday starting pitching has not been their forte. Both guys they've tried have gotten beaten up pretty good, so there's no telling what the Red Raiders will do on the mound for their shot at Mississippi State. And on Nebraska on Sunday, I'm, I'm going to punt on Nebraska, and yes, mm. that is a double entendre. Shouts to Bo Pelini. <laughs> I'm going to punt on Nebraska because it's really hard to tell what they have right now. Mm. They just did the Big Ten Pac-12 Challenge, which is apparently a thing. I had no idea, but it apparently is a thing. But they went to Arizona and lost all four games they played in a stint with Oregon State. So it's hard to tell what they are, what they have, and what they don't right now. But, hey, they're coached by Darren Erstat. That's kind of cool, right? That is cool, yeah. I didn't realize I didn't that. Know that. I'm sure. I mean, he's been there for several years, so I'm sure most hardcore college baseball fans knew that, and oh, I yeah. just I just didn't. But, yeah, the Nebraska, coached by, by Darren Erstat. I thought that was pretty cool. That is cool. Uh, the Saturday game, I think, will be one of two premier matchups in the entire country. But honestly, because JT Ginn is on the mound, I, I think it's really the premier matchup in the country. Um, the only thing I think you look around that compares on Saturday, and and I don't know if this is a part of an event or if this is a three-game series for the weekend, but LSU and Texas are playing each other. And, I'm pretty sure that's a three-game series. Okay, all right. And it's at Texas. Um, and But it's an afternoon game. LSU is ranked number two in the country over at D1. Texas is uh, in the top 25. They're at 22. So there's that's obviously some draw. But when you look at the fact that this is the third-ranked Texas Tech team in neutral site stuff, you know, in one of these deals, it's also one of the better offensive teams in the entire country has been this year. And State's going to have JT Ginn on the mound, who the Los Angeles Dodgers had anybody in the world they could go get in their first round. They decided this is the guy they wanted and then didn't get to sign him. With JT Ginn on the mound against that Texas Tech team, this is the premier matchup in college baseball in the country on Saturday. I don't know of television for it. Um I'm I'm assuming there's not. It's that flow live TV thing, yeah. Yeah, okay. You mentioned that. Yeah. So um and so I'll be listening to Jim. I'll get it from Jim. Yep. Um and I think he'll be solo. It'll be like the good old days. He won't have anybody with him. <laughs> It'll be Jim solo <laughs> in the booth out there on the trip. So that's really um that's really going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, good, to good. see how yeah. he performs against Texas Tech. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I, I agree with you. I think it will be the premier thing in, in college baseball 
that day and to, to give fans an idea of what to look for uh, elsewhere. So last year, um, Mississippi State played in the uh, the Houston Classic in the uh, Astros ballpark. They're doing that again this year. TCU and Texas A&M mm-hmm. are two of the teams involved in that. You mentioned the LSU-Texas series. That is a three-game series. It is in Austin. Also, Ole Miss is hosting Long Beach State for a series. That's a big one. Yeah. That'll be an interesting one. But the the one I would follow if I were a Mississippi State fan is ECU. They have Utah, I believe, okay. uh, at some point this weekend. So there's that should be an interesting look for uh, what Mississippi State has coming on Tuesday after this uh, after this weekend. Yeah, it's a Friday 430 game. Uh, in Greenville for for ECU against Utah, uh, so that's that should be an interesting look ahead to what Mississippi State has coming after this weekend. So in between episodes of of Dogpile, they'll have that three game set in in Frisco. They'll have ECU at home on Tuesday, six thirty SEC Network Plus, and then the next day, six thirty SEC Network Plus against Arkansas Pine Bluff. Do you have both those games? Uh, yeah, let's see. I, I believe I do. I've got my schedule around here somewhere. I know I've got Pine Bluff, um, that I'll be up there for that one. Yeah. I hope so. you've got ECU cause that's, that's no, actually the best midweek game of the year. Yeah, no, I think Charlie's got that one just the way the schedule, uh, worked out. So I'll be, I'll be tuning in, but I think Charlie and Bart will be up there for that one. Okay. So that's, that's what is. Uh, up ahead for the Bulldogs in between episodes of your favorite Mississippi State baseball podcast. That Frisco Classic, ECU and Arkansas Pine Bluff, both of those uh, games at home at 6.30, Tuesday, Wednesday, respectively. And then we'll podcast before the final non-conference series of the year, uh, Maine. Is is in town for for three March eighth, ninth, and tenth, and then Grambling the Wednesday after that before SEC play begins at Florida. I, I'm going to be honest with you, Matt. I am I am all out of research. I am all out of notes. You got anything? <laughs> no, I don't think I have. That's a great job. Very very comprehensive, Brett. So good stuff. Looking forward to the weekend. Seeing really looking forward to seeing how it goes for JT against a really good Texas Tech team, and. Um, yeah, good stuff as always, and so we'll wrap it up with that. I'll just um, let you know if you're listening um, that we appreciate you. Um, thanks to sponsors Mississippi Land Bank at mslandbank.com. I've told you before, but uh, I've known those folks for a long time and met most, if not all, of the people at the Land Bank branch office around the state, and they really are the kind of folks you want to do business with, and I highly, highly recommend them, and they're great folks. and um, Jubilations Cheesecake, where uh, Brett and I met the day that we decided to partner up. Um, we went over there, had some coffee in West Point. They're right on Highway 45, and we'll continue to tell you more about them, and you can find them at jubilations.com. All right, so we'll see you next time on Dogpile. See you.